Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode, episode 33 of the Infinite Boost podcast. As always, this is Tom. I'm very excited to bring you this episode. Heck, I'm excited to bring you episode after episode. I meant to say I'm excited to bring you every episode, but I said episode because English is my strong suit. That's why I host the podcast. This one is featuring Waiton, Pilkins, Peyton, the excellent, uh, fantastic up-and-coming YouTuber. I mean, we all know who he is by now. Uh, when we recorded this episode earlier this year, he was just around 30,000. He's now sitting at 50,000 subscribers. And he was a lot of fun to talk to. We talked about taking the game seriously. We talked about having fun and taking the game seriously, how to improve. We talked about how he started looking at YouTube and how he's improved with YouTube and how that correlates over to Rocket League and how he's practiced and how he's gotten to where he is and how he looks more at just having fun and improving at the game and not necessarily looking at his rank all the time as the determining factor of his skill. All in all, it was, again, just a great episode. It was a really good conversation. I really had a nice chat with him and really enjoyed getting to know him a little bit better outside of uh, just watching his YouTube videos once every week or so, uh, and I think that you will enjoy it as well. So be sure to listen to the end, uh, listen to his question that he has for you guys, be sure to join the Discord and uh, let us know what your answer is, be sure to uh, follow him on Twitter because uh, he just deserves it, he's a great guy, and enjoy the show. I'm not going to talk anymore, except in the podcast, so let's just get that rolling. Well, uh, first of all, and I know we were uh, talking a little bit about this uh, before we got started with the podcast, uh, but, uh, you know, with a growing and blooming YouTube channel, I know that you are quite busy. So I just want to say thank you for taking the time to uh, record this podcast with me. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me on. It'll be fun. Yeah, it, it will be fun because um, I know that obviously you think about Rocket League a lot because, uh, you know, you make great videos about that. Um, but before we get into some of the nitty gritty of Rocket League, why don't you tell me a little bit about your backstory uh, with the game? When did you start and, you know, just how did you get to where you are? Some of the highlights of, of your journey. Sure. So, yeah, I actually... Well, I, I never really played video games until like sophomore year in high school. That's when I really got into it. I was like all sports, like baseball and everything. But Rocket League was kind of that perfect mixture between like an actual like competitive sport and like an actual video game because it's like it's soccer, but it's like such a unique style that like, I don't know, there's something about it that I really enjoyed. But uh, yeah, I started off in, I first bought the game in season two, I think, competitive okay. season two. And I played it a little bit. I played it on like a laptop. I didn't even know you could play it with a controller. So I was playing on like a laptop keyboard mouse with this weird like wireless mouse. It was horrible. Oh, God. <laughs> but and you yeah, st- and it, so, so you started on PC. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, I, I probably wouldn't have even continued if I started on console because going from PC to console, I realized how bad the input delay was and I would have gotten discouraged that I wasn't getting better probably. Hmm. But 
Yeah, I started out on a laptop. I played in season two for a few weeks, and I just wasn't really enjoying it because I, you know, me for me personally, keyboard and mouse wasn't very fun, especially playing on like a laptop with keyboard and mouse. I could uh, understand that. Yeah, yeah. So, and then I came back like I think towards like the second half of season three, which was like a really long season. Right. Uh, and because I, I realized you could play it with a controller, I think I saw like like some people playing it with a controller. I think it, it might have been Wuffles back when f2 was a thing and everything yeah but yeah anyway i saw people playing with the controller and i was like oh wow i didn't know i didn't know you could play with the controller that's so much better so i came back in season three and i just haven't stopped since then i've been grinding it out playing competitively so that's crazy so man did you did you start playing on your own? Like you said, you just downloaded the game, but you weren't much of a gamer. So how did you end up like finding the game? Was it through a friend or did you just happen to be going through the Steam store? Uh, I think it was it, it might have been the first Steam game I ever purchased, actually. I'm not I, I could fact check, fact check that later, but uh, it was one of the first games that I like had ever played aside from like Star Wars, Star Wars Battlefront 2 with like my brother, like when I was eight or something like the OG version, but I think I saw it on YouTube. I'm pretty sure that's where I first found it. And I was like, huh, that looks interesting. So I tried it out uh, and then just fell in love with it. It was awesome. So what kind of sports did you, would you say that you excelled at sports then? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got like nasty. I'm not a big guy, but I have finesse and my brother's kind of the opposite. He's a big guy with no finesse, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was, I've always been like naturally like agile. So I grew up playing baseball and soccer were like my main two sports. I wrestled in high school uh, for two years. Uh, but then I, I just decided, you know what, like sports, it was getting too competitive for me in a way, like to where it took out the fun. Cause I do like competing, but like at least for my high school coaches, they, at least for baseball, it just didn't seem as fun anymore because they they treated us like, you know, like the stereotypical high school coach where they're just screaming at you all the time. That's basically what I was experiencing. And it just it just wasn't fun anymore. So and that was also the time where I was transitioning to playing Rocket League more and I was, was really enjoying it. For sure. Yeah. So you've been playing it since season two. And and where are you now? First of all, the the most important question of all: Do you use a PS4 controller or an Xbox controller? Oh, PS4, definitely. Amen. You're a good man. That's that's <laughs> all you, I needed you. to hear. <laughs> um, have you tried an Xbox controller, or have you been PS4 the whole time? Uh, I don't. Th- I'm maybe at like a friend's house one time, but I've never really back when I was like first starting out. But yeah, it's all, always been PS4. I've never owned an Xbox controller. So. They just fall apart anyway, so you're probably. I know, I've heard that. There. Yeah, i I used an Xbox controller for a decent amount of time, and I'm I'm being funny mostly. For all the Xbox controller users out there, don't feel bad. Xbox controllers are perfectly fine, uh, but I for for whatever reason, and I will admit and have admitted on this podcast in the past that I'm a bit of a squishy fanboy. Um, I had just upgraded my PC. I was thinking about making some changes. I was like, I'm going to try out the PlayStation 4 controller again because I had been using an Xbox controller for a while and I had two Xbox controllers crap out on me. So I was like, I'm going to try PS4. And 
I feel like they have a better weight to them. I feel like the big difference for me personally is the uh, the joysticks. They're so much better. I feel like they have more control. They feel sturdier on a PlayStation controller, and the buttons last longer. Like Xbox controllers, I went through those really fast. Yeah, I've I've actually used the same controller for my entire time playing Rocket League, like all three years or whatever, however long it's been. Same exact. That's controller. amazing. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's actually kind of funny. The so you know how people steer with the left stick and like you look around with the right stick. So yeah. well, obviously people are using the left stick more. So on my controller, the right stick like it's not supposed to twist, right? So the right stick is normal. It doesn't twist at all and it looks completely fine. But the left stick, it looks all like like the texture is like gone and like you can actually <laughs> twist the joystick, but it still works fine. So and yeah, I mean, I've never really had a need to switch, so so a friend of mine actually has taken apart his PlayStation controller and changed out that top button. So, I mean, if you were feeling extremely adventurous, you could always buy like a broken down one on eBay or something and replace that oh. part. But that's taking things to a whole level that I don't know that I would feel comfortable doing myself. Yeah, and it's kind of like it's kind of like t- taking apart like upgrading something in a pc at least for me i've always been nervous about when i've first started doing that but yeah it's and i mean the controller works fine i actually just only discovered that it twists like uh i think like a month ago (laughs) so like i've i don't know how long it has been twistable but yeah i'm not to that point yet i'm sitting here trying to twist my (laughs) controller i am not there yet but the an, an actual annoying thing about this controller that has happened um and this actually so i bought one and then i can't remember the the shoulders were starting to get a little bumpy or sticky not bumpy but sticky and so i bought my controller at best buy and i always buy the replacement plans with them and mm-hmm. i talked about this a little bit in a in a past episode but my first one went bad so i went and replaced it and this one right out of the box something is going on with the right stick where even when it's sitting still, it jitters. So like huh. sometimes when I'm just driving along, my camera will be shaking back and forth and I have to like move the button to get it to stop. Uh, but I just haven't taken the time to go replace it again and I didn't return it immediately like when I noticed it. So I have to deal with that every now and then. So I'm going to have to get a replacement a lot sooner than expected. But uh, And that's I, a PS4 controller? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. So it was just kind of a little bit of a lemon right out of the box, but yeah. I just didn't take the time to replace it because if I just shake the controller a little bit, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only way to really fix that would be like changing your dead zone or something. But if it's that bad to where it's moving and like it wasn't moving previously, then yeah, something's definitely up. Yeah. Like the thumbstick will look like it's just sitting and even when I open Rocket League and I'm not even touching my controller, the you know how you can like look at your car uh, on the main screen. Yeah, that will move on my screen without me touching anything. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, there's obviously something up, but uh, eventually I will get back to Best Buy and get a controller that is fully capable of working. But enough about controllers, geez Louise, that <laughs> took a lot of time. But I mean, it's like the main tool of our trade. So 
it's okay to spend a little bit of time. And it's my podcast. I talk about what I want. But <laughs> tell me right now, because this might not have been you. It might have been you. I know that you've been up to Grand Champ, but I saw a tweet recently and again i can't remember if it was you or not about dropping down to like champ one or champ yeah, two that was, me. <laughs> that was you okay yes. so tell me a little bit about your journey uh you know getting like getting up to grand champ maybe some bumps along the road and then let's talk about what's going on right now and where you're at uh after we hear about where you've been okay so in season three like i mentioned i started in season three uh i got up to like challenger three or something like that it so not very high but like i didn't play partied up at all it was all solo queue like i again like i I don't even know if i realized that you could play partied up that's how clueless i was on video games in general you had no friends that played video games either no all my friends played sports because i I grew up playing sports and everything so okay wow so you were just like you were how crazy is it that you ended up in this game then that's why i know it's crazy like my life has gone like complete shifted completely differently now what a feel-good story i i love uh i mean just having you on to hear that is completely worth it that's the kind of game that rocket league is anyways enough of me keep going i'm <laughs> i'm so intrigued so yeah i started off season three like challenger three and then the next season season four um i was kind of toxic not gonna lie uh <laughs> i didn't i i didn't realize uh well, I th- everyone else was toxic around me, so it kind of spread to me, I guess. And I thought it was just something that people did. But I w- I blamed my teammates all the time and everything. Uh, in by like a couple weeks into season four, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I need to get. I need to find a teammate that I can play with and grind with. So I find this guy. It was actually on that. I don't know if you remember. There's an app called like GamerLink that used to be. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I I used that. I went on to GamerLink and I like put on like I think it was called a beacon. And I found a yep. guy, uh, and I started playing with him. And he had some other friends that he had started playing with. This is I was like silver at the time, uh, so I'd play every so often. And it was playing partied up automatically so much more fun because I could actually like play the game casually or just or competitively depending on the mood I was feeling, rather than just when I was solo queuing. It felt like all I could do was play competitively. Um, but anyway, I started playing with him and through him, I found another guy who has been my twos partner, threes partner, whatever to this day, which is pretty awesome. All the way from silver to grand champ, we grinded all the way together and we've had other partners as well along the way, but we've stayed in touch all this time throughout like the two to three years, uh, we've both been playing this game, which is awesome because sometimes people lose interest, but I was lucky enough to like, we are growing at like the same rate and everything. And basically I think I went like the first season I started playing partied up. I finished at like gold three and then I went to like plat two and then I jumped up to diamond three the next season because back post rotations, obviously. But um, <laughs> uh, and then I jumped up and then I was like stuck around diamond three champ one for like two or three seasons. And then something clicked where like it only took me like two seasons to get from like champ one to gc which is pretty awesome and then so what was your first what was your first season in gc uh season nine and it was there's actually kind of a funny story about that i'll I'll tell i i got 11 it was i think you needed 12 wins at the time to get rewards uh so i got 11 out of 12 wins for my gc rewards and 
and then I dropped down to like champ two. Oof. And then I was just like, ah, oh, man, you know, I was, I was mad, but I was also kind of like, you know what, whatever, I- I'll just get it next season. Like, it doesn't matter. And then like the day before the season ends, I solo queue grind all the way up and finally get back to GC somehow. It was the craziest run I've ever been on. Oh my and gosh. It was to get GC. So it was like, I had lost all hope, but it was, it was just like, you know what? I'm just going to play for fun and turns out playing for fun. Uh, but still like not messing around is a good combination uh to rank up it's just like good mindset and everything and i didn't get any toxic teammates that were giving up it was just it was a ton of luck that just came together like the rocket league gods were on my side that day so well and it's funny that you say that that you know fun is a good way to go do you it was that nrg tournament the dreamhack tournament that nrg got second and i can't remember who they lost who they ended up losing to but they just kept on talking about like you know, it was Fireburner's last tournament. None of them really, I mean, they probably cared, right? But they just kept yeah. on saying, we're just we're just having fun. We're just having a good time. You know, we're here to just leave it all out on the pitch and have a good time. Like, there, there is genuinely something behind that. Definitely. It's like so many people struggle with, like, keeping a good mindset and, like, not getting tilted and everything. But, like, if you just play to have fun, like, there's a difference between, like, playing to have fun and messing around and playing to have fun and like staying focused and everything. Like, you know, like this season I've been playing to have fun and like mainly messing around, like not caring who I play with. I'd play with people like 300 MMR higher than me or like 200 MMR below than me. Uh, So some RLCS pros. Yeah. Well, that was in a private match, but (laughs) yeah, that was, that was a nuts video, but yeah, I've just kind of like, I don't care who previously I would only play with people like around my skill level when i was trying to grind because obviously that's the best strategy to rank up and everything uh because otherwise the party system will screw you over because i i never really went on a solo queue like season i've always played partied up which i think has i attribute to my uh my analytical and like team chemistry knowledge that i have because i feel like i'm decent at that whereas other people who solo queue they're kind of like they're, they're kind of ranked warriors and they know how to play to to rank up and everything but there's having that team chemistry is something completely different i think that's so that's that's really interesting and i i want to come i want to come back to that eventually but i want to hear your thoughts a little bit more on this fun aspect like can you if you had to break that down a little bit more than just being like a surface surface level statement of uh, oh, I'm just playing to have fun. Like what, how would you expand on the benefits of having that kind of mentality when you play? Um, I think a lot of it comes down to like being open-minded to what happens. Cause like if you lose a game, sometimes people will get discouraged and they'll let it like affect them to the next game. But when I win, I'm thinking, heck yeah, like that was fun and I want to win again. But if I lose, it's kind of like, you know, oh, well, we'll, it doesn't matter. Like it, it's just a loss. I can just play again. Who cares? You know? Um, and when I'm playing with friends, it totally helps me calm down a bunch. So I highly recommend playing with friends as especially like, not just like teammates. Cause some people play with like, just, they don't really consider them friends. They consider them like grinding teammates. But mm-hmm. if you're playing with like your actual friends that you know, and everything, even if they're like not the exact same skill level of you, you can still learn and get better that way. So yeah, it's 
playing with friends is a huge part of it for like having fun and you can still improve. I feel like there is almost like a, especially if you're playing with friends that you feel comfortable playing with and almost like you, definitely you feel okay or a calmness if mistakes happen. Like there's, there's almost a freeness that you have when that is the case. So that like it opens you up to being able to learn because you can make mistakes and it's when a mistake happens or when something goes wrong, it's not like a, oh, dang it, I screwed up and now they're going to be mad at me and they're probably going to block me and I'm never going to talk to them again. It's like, no, you laugh it off. You think about it. Like, what did, what happened there? Why did it go wrong? And how can I do better the next time? Like, there's such a big difference exactly. there. Yeah, like it's playing with a friend. Like, <laughs> I've, I've just the other day, uh, I was playing with a friend of mine who I've, I've had for like years uh, playing this game. And it, it was like zero seconds. Uh, I had the dribble or something and I called it. And then like he just didn't react in time or something didn't click in his mind. And he tried to sh- like sh- shoot it off the top of my head or something. And he went for the shot and it was on net, but it hit the ground at zero seconds. And if he had left it, then it would have been uh, I would have had the goal 100 percent. If I if someone if I was in solo queue, I would have a completely different mindset. I'd be like, what the like this guy is horrible, you know, but, <laughs> but since this guy's my friend and like we played together this whole time, it's just like. Okay, I I have that actual connection with them, and it's just a a way better mentality. Like we we laughed it off afterwards, especially considering like it, it's just, the game's just for fun, and we were playing to have fun, not really to rank up. You know, there's a huge difference. Isn't it? Isn't it funny how easily or quickly something like that can shift? Because you know, with the guys that I play with on a consistent basis. I mean, sometimes we take over public lobbies and there will be six of us and, you know, everybody's just having a good time. But everybody's, I would say, well, sometimes people are just, you know, having a bad night and just flying around crazy like. (laughs) But for the most part, the guys I play with are always trying to win. They want to win. That's why we play the game, right? But every now and then you sneak in those little trolls on your teammates and everybody just has a laugh about it. Um even though like you're explicitly trying to troll your own teammates. But then when it's somebody that you don't know and it's just some random person on the internet and something like that happens, it just makes you want to explode, even though it's the same thing. And if it were a friend, you'd be perfectly okay with it. Exactly. It's, it's weird. It's, there's there's something about it where it's just like, it's just a person on the other. All you can see is their username and like their car. You know, but there's there's something about it where it's just you, you can get angry at them way easier than if you're in voice chat. You know, it's like obviously if you're in voice chat with someone, it's a combination of uh, like you don't want to genuinely hurt their feelings and see their reaction right in front of you or something. <laughs> at least well, I, making somebody person, cry in voice chat would be really weird. I would feel bad. But, oh, yeah, me too. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, it's a. uh, uh it's, there's definitely a difference in that, but also like just even if you're not going to say anything to them, you have less tolerance for their mistakes. It's, there's mm-hmm. something about it. So I'm the exact opposite of you. And I think a lot of people are like a lot of the guests that I have 
interviewed recently have been more solo cures. And at least for me, there's something about, I mean, most of the guys that I play with on a consistent basis are grand champ. And I, so, uh, since the beginning of February and right now it is the 20th is today the 20th, the 19th, 19th. the 19th, today's the 19th. Uh, all of February, I have only been in free play training packs and workshop maps. So I haven't played a game all of February. Um, so at the end of January, I was champ one where I would end up now, you know, if I got 10 games, I would like to think that I'd at least get into uh, champ two from wherever I was in champ one. I'm surprised that they haven't um, taken away my rank and told me that I need to play more matches oh, by now. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe they just got rid of that. Um, but that being said, you know, hopefully I would have ranked up or will be able to rank up after all this practice that I've been putting in. Um, but before that, I a lot of my friends are GC, and me being champ one, there hasn't been a lot of me playing ranked with them, um, just because there is that uh, difference in between the two. Right, yeah. So I mostly just play on my own. Um, but then there's also this dynamic in my brain that I don't want to let people down. Like when I make it, when somebody chooses to actually be on a team with me and then I make a mistake, then I'm just letting somebody down. And that really freaks me out. Yeah. It's definitely different for like different people. Some people don't even have that mindset anywhere in their brain at all. And they're just like, all right, I hope my teammate doesn't let me down, you know, Obviously, that's a very bad mindset, but like it definitely varies like person to person with it. Yeah. So and I'm sure, you know, if I found some people that were around my rank. That, you know, if I made a mistake, nobody's going to like take me out to pasture or anything. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. I think I'm pleasant (laughs) enough that, you know, they would they would forgive me. But there's something about me being okay letting down an internet stranger as opposed to like somebody that uh you know I consider a friend and that goes the same way i it's not you know completely uh inverse it's not like when i play with friends and they screw up i'm furious at them that i mean obviously i still forgive them and i'm totally okay it happens but like a long time ago i took on the mentality that if uh, in, in all games, I always try and look at what I could have done to win the game. So if we lose a game, I never blame it on a teammate. Even if like a teammate misses an easy save, I think to myself, well, they're just bad at defense. So I get to play better defense or, you know, and I don't get mad at them. I don't like get tilted at people. I always try and put the responsibility on me. Yeah, you see it as like a, an area for improvement rather than like a, ba- a bad thing. You know, it's more of an optimistic point of view. And that's huge for like having a good mentality and everything. Like, you, you oh, can yeah, see, I mean, you can it... see something as like an opportunity to rank up. Like, that's that's a huge thing. I rarely ranking when I was trying to rank up. Well, I guess I say rank up, but I, realistically, I was trying to get better, which I think is a better mindset. 
I was, I, I would rarely ever forfeit. Like my friends would like it, uh, almost knew me as the guy who, <laughs> who would never forfeit because if you're getting crushed in a game, it, maybe you could learn something from it. You know, if you're forfeiting, like that just kind of proves to yourself that you don't care about getting better. You care about ranking up and you want to move on to that next game that hopefully you can win and you just want to like reset. But if you're getting destroyed, that's like your biggest opportunity for improvement. Yeah, I've especially recent. Well, I mean, when I was playing games, I almost thought to myself, especially when I was getting blown out, um, I want to do everything that I can to work with this team to at least score one goal. Like, let's figure out a way to score one goal, because then you're thinking about the game, you're seeing what's going on, and you're doing whatever you can to, you know, be successful against this team that is clearly already better than you. Yeah, there's, it's it's definitely like a whole different challenge going against someone that's better than you, especially like, and, and we could like move on to like the analytical perspective on everything, like, because there's different strategies for looking at replays and everything, especially at a higher level. Lots of people like there's a common mindset of like, oh, I'm plat, but I should be whatever. Like I watch diamond gameplay and that's that's no better than my gameplay. It's just my teammates holding me back. But it's like it's a whole nother thing when you're actually playing. So when you play at that level, you're going to get destroyed, but you may not realize instantly what you're doing wrong until you like go back and look at it. It's, it's crazy how much you can really see that you do wrong or the little intricacies of the mistakes that you make when you, when you watch a replay. Exactly. Do you have, do you have, Throw out some examples for me of like what you mean or what you're thinking when you say that, or maybe some things that you've noticed uh, on your own that really helped you move forward with your game. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I think is incredibly underworked and it's just kind of, it's not, it's something that I discovered like fairly recently, like only a few months ago, but you can, you can look at your replays watch it from your perspective if there's an aspect like from your perspective that you didn't realize or you didn't take into account like maybe you saw like maybe someone on the other team was storming and you didn't realize as you were watching as as you were playing live you can go back and look at the replay and just stare watch it like 10 that same moment 10 times over and stare at that specific aspect that if you had seen during the game you would have been able to adapt and make that play happen or something you just stare at that aspect and that'll train your brain to be less tunnel visioned and look at the right spots when you actually start playing again it's kind of an interesting concept i think and especially in challenges or when you're going after the ball i think that's the one thing that's really been a big game changer for me uh in the recent past. And I actually got called out on it in one game. So, uh, have you ever watched flake stream at all? Uh, I think I have before. I'm not like a loyal viewer, but I I think I have before. Um, have you ever seen when he does his replay reviews? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So one thing that I actually, uh, did a tier three sub to him and, Uh, had him review one of my replays and one of the biggest things that he said and one thing that he says like very continuously and you know he's gotten a lot of 
uh, slack for in the past is just how often he will like turn around or not challenge a play. And uh, after he did my replay review, I started challenging the ball less, especially when the person that was going to beat me to the ball was in a very non-threatening position. And it nine times out of 10, it worked out for me. But at the end of this one game that I ended up losing, uh, one guy, one of my teammates said, Tom, why did you keep on turning around instead of challenging the ball? And then I said, there was no point in me going after the ball in that location at, at that time. And then my other teammate was like, Man, you've been watching too much flakes. <laughs> it was just, I it was immediately called out. And then that teammate that said you've been watching too much flakes, we both left or the the match ended. The time ran out, but we were in the next lobby together at the in the next game. Uh, except he was my opponent, and then I immediately said, "Well, I mean, you're not wrong. I am. I have been watching too much flakes." Uh, but I think that the biggest thing that I've learned recently, uh, and it kind of goes a little bit uh, with what I'm going to bring up here in just a second, but just like decision-making, patience, and just knowing kind of those right uh, tactics or how to play just a little bit more effectively goes so far. And it goes back to your video in what you said um took you from, I don't know, whatever it was, platinum two to diamond two or platinum three to diamond three, uh, which was backed back post rotations. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you have any formulated opinions on back post rotations, but if you have anything to share on that, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. I mean, in my, in my video, I, I'm pretty passionate about it. That's like what I tried <laughs> to come across as, cause it's seriously like, I, I, it really came like to to my eyes when I did the complete guide to ranking up video. I don't know if you've seen that, but I basically looked at a bunch of replays at each level of play. So I looked at like a bunch of replays from Platinum and then analyzed statistics, like wrote down statistics on the reason and categorized the reasons uh, for a team getting scored on like maybe it was a player that didn't rotate back post or they went for boost over ball or they were just really slow to an aerial and it was really surprising because at every single rank even at grand champ like back post like not going back post was one of the highest percentages for reasons why a team got scored on like almost every single time mm-hmm and i think one thing that you also mentioned was actually like how to effectively go back post because some people and I'm guilty of this I have certainly noticed that in my own gameplay like you will rotate perfectly and be ready for whatever happens next but then there's something about the magnetism of the ball in the play like you will just slowly trickle up into the play and then all of a sudden your perfect back post rotation turns into you being in the middle of the net at the wrong angle yeah yeah it's it's so hard to like not be antsy and just like cheat up like little by little or do that like forward backward motion like where you're tapping the gas in reverse at the same time it's such a hard habit to break but like if you can break that it's just it's so much better 
So I, one of my one of my older videos and uh, my my friends that I play with, whenever this happens, uh, we still joke about it. Uh, at the end of one of my videos, something happens where um, I feel like I'm sitting in the middle of the net, though I feel that I'm okay. Uh, and my teammates are both my friends are trying to clear the ball and one accidentally hits the ball into the other teammate and sends it perfectly at the goal. And I'm just not expecting it because I'm doing this like back and forth, back and forth, like trying to decide, should I go? Should I not? I don't know. And then I played that over and over with some really cheesy music. And I say, there's no dancing in rocket league. (laughs) And that's, I mean, that's what it looks like when you're just doing that back and forth. It looks like you're doing a little dance and it's so I it's a fine line between being patient and just knowing exactly when to go totally. or making the decision and sticking to it. Totally agree. It's like a lot of people think that like playing fast is like, Oh yeah, your, your, your car is going really fast around the field and everything. And you got to like, you want to keep your momentum no matter what. And like, sure that that may be like an aspect of it, but it's okay to like slam on the brakes and like, once you reach the correct spot, it's better to stay in that correct spot than keep your momentum and then like go way too far forward. It's just, that's a huge uh, misconception about playing fast. So I don't know if you really remember maybe watching all those diamond replays or, you know, diamond platinum, but can you, and you say this in your video, kind of that next step or advanced level. And this happens a lot, even in my champ one games, like I will be at the back post ready and watching the play to react to whatever happens. And then all of a sudden my teammate will just zoom by me. So, which I don't necessarily look as a bad thing because sometimes that momentum can be more effective if they just keep going. But like, how do you, how do you balance or go through the decision-making process of like when to go and when not to go. And I'm super good at asking these kind of uh, theoretical questions that are extremely difficult to go over, you know, in podcast form. But to the best of your ability, like maybe helping somebody that is like a platinum or diamond level uh, player shift how they look at or how they think about taking a defensive stance or mindset to then break out and transition down the field. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of the time when that happens, it's just people like cutting rotation, like at platinum level, they don't understand that how back post rotations work and how like you have to wait your turn. So a lot of the time it is just cutting rotation, but sometimes it's because that person reaches back post and the guy in front of them who was already back post still isn't moving up. So the guy behind him is like, okay, well, you're not moving. So I'm going to have to move up and just cut you off. But that's, and that's a perfectly reasonable like mindset for him to have. But it's, it's mainly if you're that guy who's already back post and you see a guy going behind you, you can like kind of cheat up already. If you mm-hmm. see he's ar- just to kind of like give him a signal, like, okay, I notice you're rotating behind me and I'm going to move up when I can just, ca- right. just to kind of give him a signal. It's a lot there's a lot of things that go into like solo queuing because in comms, you could just say uh, so when someone says, okay, I'm back post, then the person hearing that could just be like, okay, yeah, uh, I, I understand that. And I'll go whenever I please. But if you're solo queuing, you can't communicate that to, to your teammates. So you don't know if they 
realize your back posts or not or something like that. So sometimes they're forced to cut you off. But then again, like I said, sometimes it's just like, especially at plat level, they just cut rotation and don't really care. Right. So one thing that you also mentioned in your video is kind of, you know, a quote unquote more advanced technique of figuring out like if if you have rotated out of that back post, you've made an attempt on the ball and now you're headed down the field, but you haven't completely transitioned on to offense. Like how expand a little bit because obviously you want to keep things high octane in those YouTube videos and you didn't go into it extremely in depth, but uh, maybe if you could expand a little bit on that uh, tactic or idea and how you get a feel for when you stay up field, uh, seeing if your teammate can get you the ball or when you should go back yeah. and like rotate back on defense. Can you, can you go around a little bit more on that? Yeah, sure. So it's like, I mentioned in the video, I think I said something like, uh, you'll learn like over time through like trial and error, like when it's the right thing, like when, how long you should stay up, where you should position yourself, which is true. But like the reason why I didn't go in depth in, into that is cause like, that's a whole nother like level deeper. And mm -hmm. it's best in my opinion to learn something like that by just trying it out and seeing what works you're going to like fail a lot at first, but it's best to try it out. But if you don't want to try it out and you just want to like <laughs> see what works, it's important like, to look at uh, what I call like just like the passing lanes, which basically is like mm. if if no one on the other team can cut it off and no one's really like challenging like for a 50-50 in time, then you can kind of turn up field and like basically make yourself available and tell your teammate like, hey, I'm an option here by turning your nose up field uh, and not going back. And your teammate should, they theoretically, they should notice that and be like, okay, and it, I, I see that option. And that would probably be better than just booming it downfield and letting the other team just boom it right back and keep possession. So it's kind of, you kind of have to look at those, those open lanes, I call it. It's kind of just like a highway of open space. Yeah, and it I think it's more of a what's the word that I want to use? Like a, like a, a very abstract theme in rocket league. Like there are so many things that are so straightforward. Like you want to hit the ball in the goal or, you know, jumping up to hit the ball for an aerial, you have to lean your car back. But the idea of when, when to rotate, when to not rotate, when to wait to see when to just like be where you are. Like if you do get that hit into the corner and you try to carry it around, but then they hit it back towards your goal. Like, do I wait here? What, what, like, what are those signals that you're looking for are a little bit more, um, you know, philosophical, theoretical. It's not just very straightforward, like how you hit the ball or how you dribble the ball or like a mechanic type thing. Like you said, it does take time to just kind of get a good feel for it. And almost like how risk averse you are too. Like, do you yeah. want to just wait and see what happens or do you, is it a game where you know, based on what's already happened, I need to rotate back here. But, um, I guess if you could, so if somebody was completely foreign to this idea, because even me, I think this is one thing that I started thinking about the way that I really thought about it, um, was I want to start practicing being where the 
doing my best to go where the play is headed as opposed to where it is right now. Right. That That's like, I'd say, like I said, I play partied up pretty much only now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I will do when I'm partied up is I'll listen to the comms, like good hints of like that they won't be able to pass it to you or like I'm low boost or if they say something like, uh, I'll try or something like it, you can just kind of tell by the words they're using and like their their tone of it that like they're underconfident in it. Uh, mm, but if you're mm-hmm. if you're solo queuing, you kind of have to read like your teammates' car language or like it, which is like body language, but for your car. Uh, and it's kind of somebody else said that too, and I think it's such a good way to say it. Yeah, it's 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 hard. There's no really other way to explain it. It's just kind of you. When you play for so long, you kind of realize, oh, the way that he's moving his car, I can tell that he's going to do this sort of thing or he's he's not going to be able to get some sort of boomer or something like that. So that that mainly just comes with experience uh, for solo queue. So being in solo queue and trying to read something that is definitely harder, but it's definitely possible. You just got to get a ton of experience with it. So... I think when I'm when you're trying to add in those skills that are a little bit more I wish I had like a really fancy word just like kind of understanding the intricacies of the flow of the game I think one thing that helps me is having like a checklist of like okay if I'm working on just learning how to rotate better or getting it being consistently in the flow of the game better if somebody wanted to work on understanding how to like make a solid transition into offense or be in that passing lane or then decide to rotate back like do you maybe go back to like when you first discovered this for yourself what would you say are like three the three to five things that you would think about or look for in making your decisions of do i go forward do I not go forward? Do I rotate back? Should I stay here longer? Like, what are the things that you would look for or think about uh, as you were learning and getting better at this skill? Yeah, that's it's actually pretty tough because like it, it's it's hard to say something like that uh, for like a solo queue mindset because it's way harder in solo queue. But yeah, like I don't even know if I could come up with five things. It's more like a combination of a ton of little things about reading, like how how like like I said, the car language and everything. And also, uh, you should pay pay attention to like how your teammates have acted previously in the game to see if they're even the type to pass to you at all. Because a lot of the time, it's good to excuse me, it's good to evaluate evaluate your teammates, but not criticize because that can get you tilted, obviously. So mm-hmm. if you can evaluate your teammates and like figure out if they're even the type of teammate to pass it at all, or if they're just in like the mindset where it's just like, I have to carry my team and I'm just going to boom it downfield, then there's not really any point in doing that. So it's good to like evaluate your teammates and kind of see if that's even going to be an option. And if it's not, then there's really no point in staying upfield in the first place. And you should just go directly back to back post, which is, it's unfortunate, but you know, it's not going to happen anyway. So I'd say definitely evaluating your teammates throughout the match to see their play style is a huge tip for that. And I think building the muscle of reading, like you said, other players' car language is an 
excellent skill to build. And then that, like building that awareness and being able to read your teammates and read your opponents and how they play will allow you to then evolve in being able to read the situation in the game as a whole. Like eventually, you know, like pro players look like they're just floating around the field. Like they're always exactly where they need to be. And it's amazing and it's beautiful and it's a lot of fun to watch. And I think, you know, they're able to move at such a fast pace because they understand the flow of the game at such a high level. Um, And you're not going to be able to get there right off, but the more you pay attention to what's going on and try and make a decision about what you think is going to happen, and even if it doesn't happen at all, at least you try to make an educated guess. And you're able to learn from that and apply that in that game and the next game and the next game and the next game. Yeah, that's that's the huge thing. Like uh, something that goes along with that is that like learning to not hesitate, because if you hesitate, then you can't learn from your mistakes because you just you didn't make a choice. You know, you, you have to make a wrong choice in order to learn from it. But if you hesitate, then you're not even making that wrong choice in the first place. And going back to what you said earlier, I feel like that's the difference between we didn't really define the opposite of playing for fun, but the difference between playing, you know, and just having fun and playing and, you know, being, I mean, I have fun and I'm a tryhard, so I (laughs) put those together. But some people just, it's, did you see that ninja tweet yesterday? I did see that. Yes, I did. Where it's like, you're you're like weak minded if you don't get mad at games or something like that. Yes. And, and I don't, I don't want to get like super deep into it and philosophical, but I mean, there, there are two places that you can come from. You can, uh, and I, I mean, it's mushy and it's true. Like there, there are two types of energy in the world. There's the energy of love and there's the energy of hate or anger or abundance and scarcity. And anger is just like not a good place to come from. At any time, I feel like like you can be frustrated or like disappointed or whatever and be able to channel that into a positive place as opposed to like a place of anger. But um, gosh, I can't even remember where I was going with that. Um, oh, so like you can be playing for fun or you can be playing full of anger. Like those are the two places or you could just be caught, completely caught in your head. And when you're thinking about everything, that's what leads to hesitation. But I feel like when you're playing for fun and you're being loose, then you can allow yourself to make those mistakes. And that's what helps you learn. Right. You learn so much more from mistakes than anything else. Exactly. If you're just all like loose and everything, then you're going to you're going to go for more unique stuff. And then you may learn that like, oh, wow, that worked. Maybe I'll try that again or something. But if you're playing like strictly like following the set of knowledge that you know and you're only trying to rank up then you're not gonna get better and you you may rank up like in the short term but long term your skill isn't going to increase which ultimately is how you improve your rank 100 percent, 100 percent. speaking of that how how did you go about improving for the most part like how how would you say that you gained your skill over time what did what how did you quote unquote practice the game um 
I started out so when when I was like through all the way up through like platinum and everything, I hated free play. It was not fun at me for me at all. I straight up built a custom training pack that would like roll the ball towards me, uh, so I can start a dribble to practice dribbling. I wouldn't go in free play and practice dribbling, which is even it's just stupid that I had that little patience. Now that I think about it, but yeah, I it basically what really took me to the next level i think was around diamond i started actually doing free play and it just brought out all those things that like i didn't realize i was so bad at like dribbling my friends were like really good at dribbling but i sucked at dribbling and now it's like i do free play all the time and i rarely ever do custom training because it's it builds real like actual it forces you to be in control of what's happening and not like let the ball come to you in a particular way so i think free play is that huge stepping stone at least for me it's of course it's going to be different for per player but for me it was free play definitely that helped me improve and what did you do in free play specifically that took you to the next level because i i feel like and even sunless Khan i think has some really good advice in all his videos where he talks about free play like chasing after the ball going really fast and and trying to hit the ball in ways that you wouldn't normally try to hit it and I feel like it's very easy to um, feel like you're being productive in free play, but not necessarily being productive. So break down what you feel like uh, benefited you the most in your free play time. Um, I think it's like, it, honestly, I would just have fun with it. The best way to practice in free play, I think, is just have fun with it because then you can just do it for hours and hours and you, you're still having fun with it. So why would you stop, you know? But if you're going in free play and you're specifically working on like a particular flick, you know, that that can be frustrating if you're doing it for so long and you feel like you're not improving. So it maybe you do want to, maybe like free play is the right way, the right place to work for flicks. So maybe you do want to like get better at a particular flick. I wouldn't just go in free play and only work on that flick. I would like mix it in with something else and put like an emphasis on that flick. So it's not just me getting frustrated at failing the same thing over and over again. So it's just basically have fun with it and you can put emphasis on certain things that you want to work on. But Mm -hmm. yeah, if you're having fun with it, you can do it for a long time, which is exactly what you want. Yes. And I would say, you know, find something that works for you like that will be effective training plus something that you actually enjoy. And that that looks different for everybody. Like you might be able to just go in there. Like I thoroughly enjoy just getting the ball on top of my car and as quickly as possible trying to pull. And it's funny that you bring up flicks because for the past week and a half, that's what I've been working on. And I actually got 111 kilometer per hour um, <laughs> like – it was somewhere in between a 90 degree and 180. So it was like, I don't know, like a 120 degree flick. It was nasty though. It was, it was only in free play, but man, it just that would take flew, me hours. Like it, it flew off my car. What, what car were you using? Uh, the Fennec. Wow. Like not right? even a long car. No, it's crazy. F- I have I have the I actually made a little video that I want to share on Instagram. Um, so once I once I share it on Twitter, I'll tag you on it so you can see it. But it that sucker just flew off my car. It was insane. Even when I hit it, 
my jaw just dropped. I was like <laughs> 111 kilometers per hour. It was it was bonkers. But uh, I I thoroughly, I am a guy that can uh, just sit and work on the same thing over and over and over again. Like going back to sports, I grew up playing sports too. And I would just like my main sport was basketball. I would be happy dribbling up and down the court and taking a jump shot and missing it and doing it again, just over and over and over again. Uh, because there's something about like working those mechanics that gives me this sense of accomplishment that just feels, um, it just feels really, really good. This is another good example. Have you ever, have you done the dribble challenge? Oh yeah. I love that map. I haven't done it as much recently, but I used to play that so much. So I, a couple of weeks ago for the first time decided to sit down and try it. And I finished it in six hours. <laughs> That's how long it took me to finish. And I did it in, it, I split it in half. So it took me about three hours to finish the first 26 levels and then another three hours to finish the last three. Uh, <laughs> but that's, uh, yeah, I mean, I got the, there. the levels. They get progressively harder and everything. Oh, my gosh. I, so I, I just folks, I when I was playing that, I was using it for like training and everything. And I would just go in, mm-hmm. in casual mode. I wouldn't even go in timed, So it wouldn't like mess with my head. So I right. would just I, I I felt like I got decent at like all of the levels like decent but so like not great and then i just tried one day like to do it timed and i got like i think like half an hour which is it's good for like a first timed run but then again i had done it in casual for a decent amount uh beforehand so i think that really helped me like the fact that the timer wasn't there when i was first trying it just helped me kind of like you know i'm just doing this to get better and have some fun i'm not gonna let the timer get to my head and then once i actually put the timer on i was like really impressed with myself Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, pff, half an hour is a great time. That is literally one fifth of my time. <laughs> one, one sixth? No, one twelfth. One twelfth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I w- I would take a half an hour after the grueling six hours I put into it last time. The the last level I I beat with like I think I had like nine hundred ninety six attempts. Like I was in the nine nineties. I was really wow. close to a thousand. Uh, but man, and I decided to stream the last three levels too. So it was timed. People were watching me and it was the first time that I had ever attempted level 30. Um, so there was, there was a lot going on there <laughs> mentally. Talk about trying to just have some fun and not stay angry. It was, it was quite a trip. Wow. Okay. So you made it to GC, which is awesome. And I look forward to doing that myself. But then you go down to champ one. So what's the deal with that? Yeah. So, I mean, this season, it's, I think it, it definitely does have something to do with the whole YouTube thing. Before with Rocket League, it was just kind of like, I've always been into video production. But before with Rocket League. Well, you're I, studying video, right? Yeah. I'm actually in college for film right now. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, with before with Rocket League, it was just kind of like, I want to get better at this game and just push my limits and everything. Uh. And then my internet at home, because this is before I went to college. Um, this is when I back back when I was still at home. My internet, mm. it's it's fast, but it one day it just started getting really inconsistent, and it never got better. It was just always like fluctuating and everything. So I would lag in games, like for it would be good for like two hours straight, and then for like the next two hours, it would be really bad. Like it was, I know that complete, feeling, completely unpredictable. 
And when it was bad, it was like I couldn't play competitively. It was it was that bad. So I just decided like, you know, I'm gonna start the whole the whole YouTube thing. Uh, and then from then on, I was still playing competitively and like practicing my skills and everything because I knew I was gonna be going off to college soon, and I was hoping that my internet would be better then. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I was still playing competitively and everything, uh, and in college, still playing competitively, it's super fun. And then all the all of a sudden, the YouTube stuff started taking off. It's just like, wow, this is like the most proud I have ever been, and I've played Rocket League for three years and f- like got GC after like two or three years or something. And I'm more proud about the, this YouTube stuff than I ever have about playing Rocket League competitively. So I think that was like a huge turning point. It's just like, like YouTube is to me at least is so much bigger than having a rank in rocket league and i realized that like once i was like stuck in like champ 2 for like the meat of this season i realized that like my rank does not reflect my skill at all i know i'm still good i'm better than i was the last season in fact like the last season that i grinded was season 11 i think and i was 1600 in threes and then the very next season that's when like youtube stuff started going off and everything and i was like that I just cared less about my rank and my rank is lower, but I know I'm still way better, but I've just been like having fun with it. And I've been enjoying YouTube more than ever before. And I've also just straight up been enjoying the game itself better than ever before, just because I just learned to like play for fun, just play ranked for fun, you know, rather than just be like, ah, oh, man, we're losing. Ah. And then like, I'd let that discourage me for the rest of the day. But it's just like, now my mentality is just like you know what who cares i've got bigger things than just just ranked in rocket league and you're still playing with your friends or like oh, is yeah. like being in the rank that you're at isn't because of solo queue and being thrown off like you're still playing with your friends and stuff yeah the, the i'm still playing with my friends it's not like i'm bringing them down with me as well it's more that uh i just don't care who specifically i play with i'll play with people 200 mmr different than me if they're fine with it too so and i'm also on a college team now and the rank difference on that is crazy like i I played with like a 1700 ish the other day and i was like champ two at the time which that's that's like 400 mmr difference yeah that's a big difference uh so yeah like that has something to do with it as well but like the fact that i just haven't really cared about it it's led me to have way more fun but like my rank has gone down of course in result of it but still like totally worth it to just play for fun even though the rank goes down so let's talk about the youtube thing just a little bit because obviously there's there's a massive amount of skill and understanding and intricacy that goes along with that as well i mean i would say you know you have started ranking up in YouTube as opposed to ranking up in Rocket League. But like, <laughs> how how would you say like you have focused on your skills or what have you seen in feedback or understanding of your editing and things of that nature that have been able to, um, you've been able to use to like build your skill and grow as an editor, YouTuber, things of that nature? Um, so the, I think the biggest thing is that I watch a lot of content as well. I think that's the main thing. I'm not like, I'm completely self-taught 
I haven't been trained on editing by anyone at all, whether it's like composition sort of stuff or just straight up like how to do things in a software. I've learned that all on my own, basically. Um, well, with the help of tutorials, of course, because sometimes you j just can't find something. So I would right. look up tutorials on YouTube, but I've never been taught by someone. Um, so I basically, it's, I get inspired easily, which is I think is a huge strength uh, for me with YouTube and everything. So I'd see something that like, wow, that's really cool. I want to do my own version of it, but uh, with this sort of change with it, or maybe I'll, I'll see a tutorial and it's just like, wow, that was a good tutorial, but I feel like they didn't go into depth on this. I'm going to do my own version of it and explain it in my way and actually go into depth on that or something like that. So I, some of my videos are like my take on topics that have already been done before. And then others are completely uh, original where like, I think the most original idea uh, that has done well on my channel is the, the pro scrim one. Cause People have played with pros, obviously, but people haven't really done it in like a completely competitive mindset to see the difference between a GC and a pro, at least not that I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, so that was like a really interesting idea and the video did well. So it, it's definitely a combination of me being inspired easily and also just like watching content. I know what I like and the content that I make is based off of the stuff that I like to watch. So it's it kind of goes hand in hand with that. So go a little bit into, and this is something that I found recently, like I said earlier this month, you know, I've only been practicing and I've been enjoying the game more myself just practicing than I have in a long time, like grinding games. And that's something that really is intriguing. And I've been thinking about a little bit more, just the fact that I enjoy just working on things as opposed to just mindless, not mindless grinding, but just doing the same thing over and over and over again in terms of playing games and getting the same result or like you said, going up and then going back down. Um, in terms of being self-taught and then spending so much time on a video, do you think that's just something that comes naturally to you? Because it takes a lot of discipline to be able to do that, to I, work on one thing as long as you work on them. I think there is definitely an aspect of it that is natural. Like not everyone can have the discipline to spend as much time as I do on a video. Like I think I'm very unique in that aspect of it. Um, but the, there's definitely, I, I'm, I did not start out good. <laughs> I was started out very bad. But I think the only difference, like, like if you, I have like my first previous videos that I've ever made, like not even Rocket League related, and they are horrible. It took me like three hours to get like six clips in concession with each other uh, with music in the background. And it was still bad, like poorly edited and everything. <laughs> so I started off horrible. But the thing that I think separated me was that I was still enjoying it and I wanted to push myself and I didn't. I had, I had free time uh, when I first started out and I was, I, I didn't get bored. I think that's the main difference. A lot of people just get bored in the editing process, but I think my mind just works something differently where like I, the, the appreciation of 
and like the feeling of accomplishment when I finish like a section of a video or a video itself is just so rewarding that it makes the 30 hours that I spend on the video completely worth it. I mean, so often you hear, and I've seen this on Twitter, like there are YouTubers that hate editing, but yet, you know, they are already successful or they've built success or they're on their way to building something. But like the core of what they do is something that they don't even enjoy doing, but you do actually find enjoyment in it. But at the same time, you also were able to get to GC. So uh, what, what is it or how do you do it or what do you think about or how do you look at it or what do you tell yourself that these are actually enjoyable things to you? Because they, um, they both correlate in terms of like something that people would f- normally find boring or mundane and you have been able to excel to a certain extent at both. I think it's mainly like the feeling of like self-accomplishment. Like I, I can get proud of myself if I create something that I myself would enjoy watching um, if I were just browsing, browsing on it. So I can specifically enjoy my own content, listening to my own voice. Cause m- myself, like, li- like many other people, I hate listening to my own voice in front of other people. So mm-hmm. like it's sometimes it's hard for me to like, let, like someone, I think the, the other day, like someone was like watching my, one of my videos, like on their phone. And I heard my voice through the, through their microphone. And I was just like, Oh, stop, turn it off. <laughs> Cause it's, I don't, there's something about it that I just hate listening to it, but the feeling that I can still enjoy it, like watching a video itself, uh, with even that setback, that's just the accomplishment level of it is just, I get affected by it. And like, it it makes me feel so much more happy than I think it does for other people. So I think that's what like sets my editing mindset apart from other people. And actually getting to that end point, I think that's the big difference. Like, especially even for me, sometimes when I'm thinking about editing a video and I'm, you know, I'm going through trying to figure out like what I truly enjoy or desire my videos to look like. But the thought of spending that much time on one thing just, uh, you know, it blows my mind. Um, so there's, there's something there about, uh, being able to see something through to its conclusion. Yeah. I, I, I don't look at it. The thing is time can be intimidating. If I look at this and think like, this is going to be a 30 hour project, that's going to be really discouraging. And I'm not like, not going to want to do it right at the start. That's why a lot of the time, if you like, like if I lose progress on a video, like I forget to save, for example, or like the, the program crashes and I go back like even just like 30 minutes in work the fact that that like wow 30 minutes is a long time the fact that I'm thinking about how much time that just took me it can be discouraging but if I just go go into it not thinking about the time I just think like okay this work has to get done and I just get it done then it's just as rewarding and I don't really see it as as boring if I don't pay attention to the clock you know Huh. So it's just a, I'm going to do this. You're not thinking about the time or, oh man, I already yeah. did this or this, you just go. 
Yeah, it's like because it, the time, like I said, it can be really demotivating. I just, I just go and I like, I want this to look really good. I don't really think about how much of time. I just think about the steps that it would take. Hmm. I I dig that. So then, on the same side, there is like ranking up and and I I appreciate how you look at it. Um, just building up your skill, excuse me, how do you, how do you frame that for yourself in terms of like, uh, motivating yourself or building up that desire to spend the time in free play? Um, I think for me, it just like, I have to get some sort of either enjoyment or accomplishment out of it. So if I, uh, spend the time in free play and I'm not enjoying it, then I'll be like, okay, well, what am I trying to accomplish? Maybe it's like I'm trying to learn this new flick. If I can see any bit of progress, I will do as I will do as much as I can to make sure that little bit of progress goes straight to my head and I get a as big ego about it as I could. Cause that that's it may sound bad just like that, but that's what motivates me to keep going. If I'm like not proud of the progress that I made, even though I'm not like done, then I'm not going to be motivated to keep going. So even if it's just a tiny bit of progress, I try and make that seem like the biggest deal possible in my head. So it's just that like little taste of doing something right is enough to keep you going. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think there is, there's something that I found that I think about it this way. And you see this on Reddit all the time, like a gold player, will post, oh, I just got my first flip reset or I just got, I just hit my <laughs> first ceiling shot. Like it's really bad gold too, but I'm proud. Like, and then you'll see so many champ twos and champ threes like, oh man, I'm champ two and I still can't hit a ceiling <laughs> shot kind of thing. And I, whenever I see that, and I've thought this myself, like I am certainly guilty of this and I still can't hit those, but it's more because I just haven't put in the time it's it's i i wonder how many people cut themselves off from actually like building up their skill or getting better because they just immediately go to oh i can't do that like i'm i'm champ 3 and i i still can't do that and then it almost just eliminates the prospect of them being able to do it or putting the time into being able to do it because it's just like i can't do that and period end of discussion yeah, like they, they don't even try. And I think like when you're talking there, like like it sparked an idea in my mind that like a lot of people measure their progress by what their rank actually is. But like your rank's going to fluctuate like as you're getting better and better, you know, obviously because people go, they get better and like they go up in rank and then they derank. It's not reflecting their skill exactly. Their skill is a gradual slope and it's going up like, pretty much gradually throughout your entire career, but your rank may fluctuate. So when people look at their rank as like how they're actually getting better at the game, then that can be really discouraging. Whereas if you look at like a specific mechanic, like a flick, for example, if you look at that as your like progress and what you've achieved, then that's not going to be as discouraging because you're not going to suddenly be way worse at a flick one day unless you like took a really long break, but that's a whole other thing. Right. There's, 
there's a, you know, you hit that first 100 mile an hour flick and you think that you are RLCS ready, but you only did it once. Uh, there's, I was actually thinking about that today on my way home. Like, what is the difference between the average player and like a pro player? I can't remember how I got on this thought process, but it's like, again, going back to flicks when, when flakes wants to do a 45 degree flick or even like Ranny, the streamer who is a phenomenal ones player, like when he wants to flick the ball seven out of 10 times, he is going to be able to flick that ball with power on net. And that's in game. When I'm in free play, I'm lucky if I get it three out of 10 times with any forward momentum at all. (laughs) And that's like the, the biggest difference that I can see in between like skill minus speed but consistency just goes so far. Yeah, there's there's the skill ceiling like still hasn't even been reached. Like there's so you can go you can progress so much and still have more to progress on even on a specific aspect like a flick. You can progress so much and still get better. Nobody is perfected flicks. Like you were talking about Ranny, I think it like I popped in his stream for the first time uh just like the other day or something and he was like doing some flick challenge in free play. And uh, it was like trying to get like 70 mile per hour flicks, like a bunch in a row or something. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he he's extremely good. Some people would say that he's mastered flicks, but the fact that he can't get it like a bunch of times in a row just tells you that even someone like him, who's extremely good at flicks, still has a ton of room to improve on. So like the, the skill oh, set yeah. is just so high, like you can't. Really, you never run out of room to improve, even if it's like on a very specific aspect like that. It's it's ridiculous. Speaking of skill ceiling um, and improving, so have you already got your GC rewards for this season? Yeah, I have them. Yeah. Okay, so at least you you got them before you plummeted back into my world. <laughs> yeah, I actually got them in uh, twos. I, I never reached GC in threes this season. I played. I've played like three. I think I checked my tracker the other day. It was like 300 games of threes and only like 60 games of twos. But I got my rewards in twos. I actually, I also hit GC and Rumble for the first time uh, in any extra mode this season, which is pretty cool. All right. All right. Um, so then that's good that you got that. If you had to say like where you're at, and I, I think it's interesting that you say that you're still – like you're better than you were last season and yet you are where you are, which which is fine. I mean, I've certainly had my ups and downs. Um, what would you say is like the thing that you would have to or if you were going to go into free play and spend, you know, two or three hours working on something, what what would you spend your time on? Like, what is the thing that you need to improve on right now? Um, There's. It depends if if it's something where I'm just trying to improve on something that will allow me to have more fun, because as your mechanics get better, you will have more options for different situations. I'd probably say something like more flashy since I'm just like trying to have fun. Like maybe I want to get better at like flip resets or some sort of cool sort of maybe like a musty ceiling shot or something like that. But if I'm trying if I'm talking about like my competitive aspect, 
I'd say something more like shot placement. Because like I said, I, I spend a lot of time mm. in free play. But with free play, you're, the ball is supposed to be like close to you pretty much the entire yeah. time. You're, it's about ball control. But with shot placement, it's about like the ball is heading to you from a different direction and you're like redirecting it or power shotting it into a, a maybe the like the opposite direction with power and everything. So I'd say for me right now, shot placement or like maybe power shots from like a pass or something is the biggest thing that I need to work on. That's interesting. Yeah. Like just a little, I've actually been working on that myself in terms of I've been working on trying to figure out double touches and being able to set myself up for double taps, uh, like working on the air control, being able to get to the ball effectively and then being able to read the ball. I actually put out a video about this last week, you know, being able to get to the ball effectively and then touching the ball in the right spot so that it moves forward in such a way that, you know, it goes to the backboard or somewhere around the backboard and then being able to fly towards it and get that second read. Um, And just being completely accurate about that because being able to control the ball that way uh, really takes your game to the next level for sure. Totally. Yeah. Double taps, especially. And I think I did see that video um, that like, that's such a useful aspect because it's a really hard thing to get good at and you can always get better at it. Like I said, similar to the flicks uh, except even more severely, like you can read like an insane angle or something and like the way to touch it and the way you can move your car uh, to get that particular angle. And like I said, it's also like really hard and people even at GC level, they don't like, they don't master that at all. Like even at like RLCS, it's one of those things that the skill ceiling is even higher than more mechanics. Cause you know, sometimes there's like a learning curve where you can, you can start off slow and then you get to a certain point where like, okay, I have enough mechanics to where I can practice this pretty efficiently. But then you reach a point where it's just like, okay, I can definitely get better at this, but there's smaller aspects that I could change to get better at it. So it makes it even harder to get better because I'm getting close to that like cap of skill, but there's like not much that I can change to make it better. But double touches is like, it's one of those mechanics that, it's so hard to reach that maximum skill level that you can practice it forever and you could still get better and better. Yeah. I don't. And so the one that I've been practicing the most recently is the first shot on the ultimate warmup pack, trying to turn that into a double touch. And I mean, the ball is coming all the way across the field. You're coming all the way across the field to meet in the middle and you're trying to hit the ball and like, this minute little spot coming from such a distance, it's insanely challenging. Um, and in terms of like car control and then ball control and all of that. So I think, uh, it is in terms of like practice, extremely underrated because there is so much that goes into that. And especially like a champ level, being able to understand that goes, so far because having that kind of ball control first of all lower champ players just don't expect it like lower champ players cannot defend double taps myself included like you're just not expecting it so being able to 
effectively do that kind of stuff and quickly, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that takes you to the next level really fast. Definitely. Yeah. And like you were saying, I didn't even think about that. It's so hard to read on defense, like on a, when someone's doing a double tap. And also if they do a double tap and they miss it, that's bad for you. So you kind of have to like guess if they're going to make it or not. If they do hit that double tap and you didn't jump, then they, well, they just scored it. If they, if you jump for it and they miss it, then that's bad because their teammates probably going to follow it up and put a shot on. So it's, it's, that's like one of those mechanics that it's so difficult on defense if you're, if you're good at them or if you're at least like unpredictable about them. Right. It, it certainly puts you in a very threatening spot uh, on a consistent basis. Um, so someday, and I think the most frustrating thing is uh, how easy pros make it look. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll do that thing where they like lean back their car and it'll perfectly bounce off their car and then they'll turn around and go for the second touch. And it's just like, oh yeah, that's what they do. And I just can't do any of that. <laughs> hardly. It's stupid. It's, it's I mean, nuts. It's, it's, there's so many more like aspects and levels to it. Like, oh, you're hitting the first level. You're hitting it after it bounces off the backboard like it's probably in, it hits off like the crossbar and you read the crossbar hit or something and then there's a level Oof. where like you're reading like even that downward bounce like off the lip of like the where the wall goes to the ceiling there's reading that which Oof. is just insane like people have are actually starting to like get consistent at reading that bounce which yeah it's just it's such it's a high fair. level compared to just normal double taps which are already hard it's just not fair well and then I mean, even right now, trying to figure out how to read the angle and maneuver my car if, you know, the ball is moving from the left to right or right to left and just lining up that touch perfectly so that you're not overplaying the ball. Like you have to overplay the ball a little bit so that you can hit it back in the other direction. But then if you go too far, you miss. Oh, it's a mess. Um, But I look forward to uh, being a little bit more effective at those. Um, but we have been going for a while. So I feel like this is a a good time to start winding things down. And, uh, per tradition, uh, I do the same few things at the end of each show. Um, and the first one is, um, if you would like to share any, uh, final thoughts with the listeners and now viewers of the infinite boost podcast. Um, I mean, if I were to say one thing, it'd just be go back post. You know, you can't, you can't forget that. <laughs> I can't wait for them to put a back post title into the game. <laughs> that would be so good. Just for oh you. Oh my gosh. That would be a huge accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just a under the table nudge that waiting i mean when you when you play with people like i know i know your name is actually peyton right yeah so like when you play with people or when you interact like do you go by waiting or do you go by peyton i mean my friends that i've known for years my my online name used to just be peyton so yeah friends i've known for a long time they've always just called me peyton but yeah as as more recently people have just been calling me waiting. And sometimes when like my friends call me Peyton, like there's one point uh, where my friend was just streaming and like one of my viewers went in, went into his chat and he said, oh, yeah. he mentioned like, and yeah, Peyton, blah, 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 blah. And the guy was like, who? 
Like, wait. <laughs> so, yeah, is it's kind of difficult uh, having that crossover, but it's better than having some like other completely irrelevant name. Like, like what if my name was like like superstar or something? It's just, and then it's just like, oh yeah, so Peyton blah 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 blah. It's like, wait, what? That's like wait, not even what? close. Yeah, it so, it it you kind of pick up on it really quick. So yeah. is the W from your last name? Yeah, literally is it just, just like, like the first a letters or uh, okay. switched. Yeah, if I did that, then my name would be Mom. That would be weird. <laughs> Everybody calling me Mom. That would be no good. All right, go back post. Easy peasy. That's it. Um, I'm sure that everybody uh, listening to this podcast already knows um, of who you are and where people can find you. But just in case they don't, where uh, where can people find you out there on the internet? Um, that would be youtube.com slash Waiton Pilkin, W-A-Y-T-O-N-P-I-L-K-I-N. And also twitter.com slash Waiton Pilkin as well. So I'm trying to, like, the thing is Twitter's Twitter's kind of weird. I I have, like, 30-something 30 some, 30 thousand subscribers on YouTube, but I have, like, a thousand-something followers on Twitter, which is kind of crazy because I it, it it's Twitter's one of those weird things that, like, takes a while to build up. I think, yeah, I don't, I don't, the correlation in between YouTube and Twitter, I just feel like they're very different beasts. It's so hard to switch your, like, maneuver your viewers to, like, another platform, like, even from, like, YouTube to Twitch, which is, they're similar, it's just one of them is for live streaming, but it's so hard to maneuver viewers from one thing to another. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. All right, well, if you haven't already... Go follow this guy on Twitter. Just do it. It'll be it'll be good for your double taps. And <laughs> then you will be able to finally understand how to go back post if you follow him on Twitter. So yep. do it for the defense. All right. And finally, uh, do you have a question that you would like to ask of the Infinite Boost podcast community? I like to give... Uh, my guest an opportunity to ask a question um, and then hopefully someday when somebody is listening to this they will at you on Twitter a year from now and be like oh man I just listened to your episode and XYZ so if you could ask a question of the community what would that be? Um, hmm, I, there's one thing uh, that so I don't know if you meant uh, you've noticed or realized but in the the complete guide to ranking up thing. I, I made like a spreadsheet, a spreadsheet, like a public spreadsheet for people uh -huh. to, to use and look at, like for the statistics that I recorded. And I forgot about that. When I uploaded that video, I went to the spreadsheet and there were like, like 50 people in the, like looking at the spreadsheet. Cause the video had just come out and it was doing pretty well. So I, I typed in the, like one of the boxes, like, Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> so I'm curious to see if anyone actually saw that. So if anyone listening actually did see that, let me know because that'd be pretty awesome. That's so funny. That's really funny. Yeah. I I love spreadsheets and I never took the time to actually go to that spreadsheet. Um, but I appreciate that you are a spreadsheet fan. I definitely am. They Actually, speaking of that, I should show you something uh, that I use as opposed to spreadsheets that are amazing. But anyways, that's not something we need to talk about now. Uh, Peyton, I just want to say 
Uh, thank you so much for taking uh, the time to come and chat with me. It was a real pleasure. I know that uh, you put yourself on quite a schedule, spending so much time on these videos as well as everything else that you do. So uh, carving out a little bit of time for me is, uh, is greatly appreciated. I hope you had a good time. Um, it was a real pleasure to chat with you for a little while. Um, so yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed yourself and, and I uh, appreciate you also being willing to be a guinea pig for this uh, first, first, the second first edition of the Infinite Boost Live. Yeah, it was a blast. Thanks for having me on. Definitely, definitely. And as always, uh, thank you and thanks for the boost.